we are the driveway athletes and you know bill sometimes they say one game is one game two games might be a fluke three games by god it's a streak this is going to be three weeks in a row we got we got together and did it watch out joe dimaggio very excited very excited uh yeah um it's it's something to be happy about we're 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 doing it we're doing it we're doing the thing we're doing the thing that we said we were going to do (laughs) um so we're you know this will be up monday we're recording sunday we're going off of rumors innuendo shady doctors on twitter um the neighbor down the street but what looks some like guy doom, who knows some guy who works with the Sixers. We went from doom and gloom. The season was over to Embiid maybe back by game three. I'd like a split down there. What do you think of that? We got no Lowry game one. And I, I don't know how Lowry, Lowry is getting long in the tooth as are a good amount of that heat team. Um, but he's nonetheless one of their starters, and he's going to miss game one. And he's a pain in the ass for the Sixers and the referees to deal with. Yeah, so if they can split the series down there in Miami um, and it comes back home and Embiid is uh, back to the phantom of the process and playing, I like the chances in the series. I'm not saying it's going to be a cakewalk. I'm just saying matchup-wise... It's a good matchup for the Sixers. Better than Toronto. The only problem I have with Miami is their depth. They have a lot of depth that we just don't have. Correct, but... So Miami is built through defense, right? Oh, Jimmy Butler, who who, who would guess, right? The hardest working man in show business, James Butler. But... Um, they're built through defense and they're not a long team. So they match, they matched up well with Atlanta because they're a guard driven, they're, they're a good shooting team, but they're a guard driven guard and small forward driven shooting team. Bam six, nine. So is this where we go on the Paul Reed victory tour? I'm just saying where the Sixers struggled with Toronto's length and the offensive rebounding, it's a different matchup with Miami. And sure, they're deep and they can be fresh. They're not exactly the best shooting team. Um, And they're not going to rebound the same way that Toronto did. Toronto's a young, long team. This is a different kind of matchup. I think that Sixers have to be, you know, be mindful of their turnovers as any team does. But they're a decent shooting team that gets most of their points. I mean, obviously with them beat out, it's going to change. They get a lot of points behind the arc. But also Tobias is a law lo- is a longer player. You know, um Joe when he plays is obviously a tall player. It's just a tough matchup for Miami. Well, now, I mean, we're in the we're in the final eight now, so it's, I think it's going to be tough matchups across the board for everybody. Yeah, for everybody. Yeah. I but yeah. I guess my point too is is and not just because they're hot, the Sixers match up against Boston worse. Nah, I, I don't like the Sixers match up with Boston at all. No, I don't like that no. at all. No, and but they, they match up with currently getting currently getting beat by the Bucks, which is aces. I, the Sixers match up. This isn't me saying I prefer one team over another. I'm just talking about on the floor matchups. They match up with Milwaukee better. That's fair. That's fair, especially without Middleton. No, it just changes everything because that helped that Embiid can. Middleton might, I don't know how percentage wise he'll be, but I think he'll be back by if they make it to the conference, the conference finals. Yeah. But it. it you just don't know. You get late in the season, right? We're seeing it. Embiid is now on, a, on two injuries. It's tough to get through with one of your top three guys 
Oh, yeah. Right? Without a doubt. You know. So, we'll see. I just... I think that Milwaukee is a tougher matchup for Boston than the Sixers are, and I think the Sixers are a tougher matchup for Miami um, than if they got Boston or if they got um, Milwaukee. I just... It's the way it breaks down, you know, like what the matchups on the floor. Um, matter more so than at this point, that's what it is. It's like a, it's like a boxing match. Not always is it the most skilled guy. Sometimes it's just a tough matchup. That's fair. That's, that's fair. So we'll see. Well, I don't. There's a, at least a bit of optimism now. Right, Miami's not an easy out. That's no. not. You know, they are. They are. They were the one seed for a reason. I don't think they're the strongest one seed, but they're the one seed for a reason. I think they're a tough out for anybody. But they're a beatable one. Very true. Very true. I just. I hope that uh, Mr. Harden doesn't party too much down in that. Miami. Well, they're going to have to lean on him heavy. Him and Maxi are yeah. really going to have to play really well. And and Tobias is going to have to look, obviously Tobias is going to have to step up. But if there's one thing we can say is like the criticism and slander of Harris, the guy's been a chameleon the years he's been here. Could he have been better? Yeah. Sure, he could have been better. But he's filled every role they've asked him to. Hasn't had a lot of stable situations, if you will. The Sixers themselves haven't. No. I mean, the fact that he and Joe and what, Ferk, are the only players left from that Toronto loss? That's crazy. <clears throat> you know, that's not that long ago. It feels no. that long ago, but it's not that long ago. Um, you've turned over your roster that much. They've got to find, I mean, you're after this season and next season, you know, you're, you're getting the last season of Joe in his 20s. They're going to have to find some stability at some point. Um, Maxi will probably be it, but uh, they're mm. going to have to find some stability. Maybe we'll bring in LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we'll see what happens. I wouldn't be surprised if Beal is, is not the play in the offseason. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a hard inside and trade. For Beal. Um, really? Beal wants to come here. He's still <laughs> under contract, I believe. Um, I, I don't know what other... I don't know what other firepower you'd have to go get him. Mm. You don't think you don't think Ferk and Paul Reed and a, and a pick get it done? What pick? <laughs> valid point sir valid point you know I think Harden and some other you know Bassey or something like that um, is much more likely because Harden will at least put butts in seats that, that he will do so no offense to James just it's what we've had look they they're not a bad team and maybe they re-sign Harden and go get depth and let him run point and it makes some of the other guys better. It's not a bad product on the floor. I don't think they have enough. Um, and I don't think I don't think that this version of Harden necessarily makes Joe all that great. Um, I think we saw with having a more perimeter based offense, which James just isn't shooting enough that many threes. Um, no. A more perimeter-based offense around your big is better for him. You know, he's getting good looks to Green. He's getting good looks to other guys. It's just this isn't. Look, he's not a young man. He's not old, but he's not a young man, and he, it's just a different player. You know, like, and I don't know how much is the hamstring, but it's just a different player. Not what I expected, and we'll see what it looks like. But that's just where it is. Um, it's where we are at this point, but at least he's playing and not well, on the bench looking like a big fat fruity pebble. 
look, he's not only is he playing, not not only is he playing, but he's playing, and they're in the second round of the playoffs. Yeah. Right. This isn't a team that went out in the first, and you're talking about how un underperforming they did. And do you have to blow it all up? You know, right now you're just considering whether you want to be tied to that player, but you're not talking about blowing up everything. Where Brooklyn is kind of in that conversation. Like, what do you do? What does Brooklyn do? They're stuck. Yeah. You know, and and it's not like... I'm glad. I'm not going to say on Brooklyn's side. On Brooklyn's side of things. They definitely didn't, like, quote-unquote, win the trade. But the reality is, is... uh, Drum... Drummond is done. He's he was only on a contract for one year, correct? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Curry was only under contract for the rest of this year as well. That I'm not sure. I think he has another year left. I could. So they wrong. get they get another year of a role player. He fits a very fine role. He was he got pretty cold um, later in the season, but nonetheless, and they got a first. And then they got to figure out how they can, even if they get pennies on the dollar for Simmons, what they gave up was Harden, who didn't want to be there. You know, so like the trade didn't necessarily set them back any, as long as they can find someone to just take Ben's contract. Which is not an easy sell by any stretch of the imagination at this point. Well, here's, here's, I guess the next, when is the NBA CBA up? Do you know? I do not know. This is going to hurt the NBA Players Union bad. Oh, 100%. And um, I wouldn't be it's, surprised. It expires after the 2024 season. All right, so they've got another full season. I wouldn't be surprised if they're... But two, it's, two. two, buddy. What? Well, two, another two full. full season. Expires, oh, expires at the end of the 2024 season. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Not in 2024. No. Okay. At the, at the close of the 2024-25 season. June of 2024, basically. Whenever the playoffs so, end in 2024, so two years. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So um, I wouldn't be surprised because I'm sure that they're looking at what they want the next CBA to be. They're going to meet. And this is going to be a very big topic of discussion. And I don't know, I don't know the wording of NBA contracts, but I'm I'm assuming there has to be some fulfillment on the player side. You would think. I mean, they can't be a very favorable person to the players' association at this point. No, but also like I get that. Bat like so before it was his mental health. Right, which provable, not provable, and then it's his back also falls into this provable, not provable thing, right? You know, um, which is you know, I think it just comes down to the the fact that somebody who doesn't like playing basketball then retire. What, well, what else does he do for money because he's yeah, but that lifestyle. I don't disagree, but if he's not going to show up, he's not going to show up. You know, like, I don't know who's going to be responsible or what the medical outs are. You know, um, contracts are weird, you know. So it's going to be an interesting thing for what the player is responsible for, what the team is responsible for, and what the league is responsible for. But again, he's only two years into a, a max deal, and now about to be tried to ship to his third team because it c- couldn't work in B- Brooklyn either, even though he said he was excited to be there. Um, my, my, oh my! How the tables have turned. Yeah. So We'll see, because I never thought there would be a team that would take Horford's contract. So we'll see in Brooklyn. I don't care. Brooklyn could stink forever. Not my problem. Um, 
but the Sixers aren't in that same boat, right? Like they're not they're not anchored to somebody who's going to hurt them. No. No, not at all. Job of that. Yeah. When so, seemingly they looked like they were going to be in cap hell for quite some time. Well, the, right, the Richardson Horford things experiment. Um, experiment. It just it didn't work. So. We'll see. It's going to be an interesting playoff, you know, next series for this team. Um, you're going to see a lot of Paul Reed, I would imagine, but then you're also going to see hopefully Millsap and not DeAndre Jordan. Um, the Paul DeAndre Reed victory tour is coming. DeAndre Jordan just doesn't play with the same level of intensity, you know. I think he's kind of overplaying. I don't think he's got it. I, he's engaged. Yeah. I think he's engaged. I don't. You just think, think he's done. It. You just yeah, just think yeah. he's done. That's that I, could be. I I heard from uh, a few people that he was the uh, at halftime. DeAndre Jordan lit up into some people, so he's engaged. I just oh really? Yeah, yeah. I I heard that that he was the one. Okay. That got got into some people's asses, if you will. Good for him. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good for him. So, uh, it's going to be an interesting close to the playoffs for the for the Sixers and then offseason because they have a lot of choices to make, you know. Um, which, unlike, right, like, how do you have a superstar and you're going to have cap room, which is like, if you're a Flyers person, it's just uh, impossible. <laughs> Um, speaking of which, their draft lottery for the NHL is May 10th, and that's the end of our hockey talk. <laughs> not not going to talk about the Kraken, the Kraken in our last uh, game today? Well, the, the only thing that has is improving or um, uh, making the odds worse for the Flyers. Um, but it's a lottery, and if you're a Flyers fan, I don't know necessarily know that you want the number one pick. And um, no offense to Shane Wright, just we have enough two-way players. They need some skill guys and some game changers. Um, we don't need that type of player. Not saying that you could just take a guy who's not considered a number one, um, but there are some more exciting players who probably have Higher ceilings, but lower floors. Um, but can never get never get the year with the superstar, eh? To be honest, like I and again, I I don't do not want to talk hockey, so I want to make this quick. To be honest with you, what annoys me the most about hockey is even if they wanted to next year say we're going to pay whatever it takes to get number one and get Connor Bedard, we're going to do it. We're the fucking Flyers. This is what we do. It's literally impossible to do. Damn shame, buddy. So damn shame. Nobody can accept that much cap, you know, of players to to take, and no team's going to give up like four firsts that someone's going to ask for. You know, like it's just literally impossible. Yeah. Um. So, it just it just is. Um. And, uh, you know, like. I, I, that sigh is very real because I don't want to talk. I, I just don't. There's nothing to say. But everybody's Let's talking. Do they retool? Do they rebuild? I don't know. What does rebuild even mean? You you can't just... Sh no team's just going to take your contracts. There, no team is just going to take your bad contracts. Way. It doesn't work that way. Not n not. There's not a, another team that's sitting there like, oh, gee, I can just take a bad contract to help the Flyers out. You know, they might be able to move on from a Konechny or a Provorov. Fine. Fine, you do that. The team has to have 5 or $6 million open and want that player and then be willing to give you draft draft picks that you're going to want for that player. It's just... there. I don't know what... So what? Or just accept being bad or mediocre? The worst thing that you can do is kind of be stuck with no plan. And I just don't know in today's NHL that 
quote unquote blowing it up. I don't even know what it looks like. And and maybe I'm just lack the creativity. I don't know what it looks like. And I also I don't know that you end up in any better of shape. I'm not sure you do either. I just don't have an answer. No, and that's the but that's the problem. And I think that that's as much as it's a Flyers problem, it's a league's pro it's the it's a league problem as well. So that's it. We're done talking hockey. Um, there's also there's much something much more exciting that happened over the weekend. We had the NFL draft. Let's talk about something fun. It was fun. It was fun. You as an Eagles fan have to be happy. Downright elated, sir. A A plus across the board. Um. Yeah, you get A.J. Brown. That's a great player to grab. And then you get potentially the best defensive tackle or interior defensive lineman in the draft. And late in the draft, you get a linebacker that was discussed as being first-round talent, but everybody was scared off of this pectoral injury that he's saying he's fine. Right. It could, could be one of them cases where, you know, look at the DK Metcalf injury scare, scares and look how he worked out. Maybe this could work out opposite for us. You know, yeah. he, he, he was a first-round talent. At a position we don't draft, we don't draft in the first round. No, and we'll see if everyone rues the day. My feedback was, and this isn't a knock on the kid. I want every kid that gets drafted to do well. They're, they're kids, you know, is based on his size. He might not have the longest career, but he looks like he has all the skill to have a very, very good career. Knock on wood. I hope so. You know, them kids, we'll them, uh, them kids from the SEC tend to work out, eh? Well, I mean, goddamn near everybody else from his team went in the Friggin' first round. Not bad. No. Georgia, Alabama, Clemson. Just recruit, just just draft from them schools. I think you'll be all right. Well, teams have decided that those schools run as close to a, those of a pro system as, as you can have. So there's less development. They're more ready. NFL careers are short. The more ready they can be, the more, the better it is for everybody. This is true. Very true. So I know that you're not all in on fantasy just yet. Um, fantasy baseball? No, fantasy fantasy football. Um, now that the draft oh. is done, um, I have to go back. I got a little bit of a reprieve for from writing. Um, so now I've got to go back and rework my ranks. Um, some guys that obviously are going to hurt a little bit um, from the draft. Um, some rookies I find very interesting. Um, you know, so this kind of starts what is my more intensive offseason part. I mean, it's May 1st. I know that you don't do the countdown. But these months go by fast. By the time we get to July 4th, most of my work has got to be, you know, my work's got to be 80% done. And then I'm revising. You know, and, and July 4th sounds further away it is, than it is because we're old and time goes by faster. God damn, you're right. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, off the top of my head, because um, I'm not looking at, you know what, I'm saying that and I should just pull it up. Pull it up. You said pull um, it up, right? Pull it out, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, I just want to pull up. Like, there's just some guys we know are, are going to take a hit because things changed. Um, things change, Mox. Things change. So, off the top, I had Michael Carter at 22. He's going to fall much further down. Um, the Jets drafted Brees Hall in the second round. 
So Carter's probably going to fall into flex territory around like 34, 33. He had a good um, week for me when he was in my lineup. <laughs> uh, Devin Singletary is going to take a hit. Um, they drafted uh, James Cook, Dalvin Cook's brother, um, in the second round, which at this point is kind of like um, drafting in the fir- running back in the first round. Second round is just that's big investment. Um, so Singletary's definitely going to take a hit. Carter takes a hit. You know who I feel better about? James Conner. The Cardinals, the Cardinals did not take a running back until round after either round five or six. They haven't signed anybody. So it's Connor, Eno Benjamin, and a fifth round rookie. So you know me, I was high on Connor before anybody else was, and I couldn't give that guy away. Then he wound up pretty much carrying me to a fantasy title in the later in the late, later weeks of the regular season. Because he was, yeah. he was some touchdown machine. Touchdown machine. Well, he scores um, his touchdowns. Okay. All right, I'll take that. that. So sometimes these players, and obviously James Conner, right? There's there's been years where we expected him to be good, and he wasn't. But sometimes these players can't shake off that thing, right? Where they disappointed. And then when people see him performing, they go, oh, it's just a flash. You know, it's not going to stick. And, That's uh, true. Because their their preconceived notions have already been made up. And they can't they can't get out of the way. Right. You know. So when your mind's made up, your mind's made up and nothing. Proof and analytics and performance don't usually change that. Nope. Which is why the uh the older folks, older than us, tend to uh, denigrate the great Joel Embiid. Well, his vorp. <laughs> He's injury prone. He took an elbow to the face. How's that injury prone? And for all intents and purposes, is going to miss basically one game from that injury and one game that he's forced to from the concussion. Um, but he's injury prone. It's a yeah. three-year-old narrative that's just horrendous. Um, I don't know that I would downgrade receivers much because typically adding <laughs> receivers just helps the offense. Um, no, I have, I, have, I have a question for you. Yeah. Debate, debatably, the top two wide receivers last year were Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, and they both switched teams with lesser quarterbacks. How do you they, think that plays into your rankings, your thought process? Right now, Adams is my wide receiver five. Um, and Hill is my wide receiver eight. So Because I, I myself, and they were two of my guys, I'd be wary to draft them because I'm not real confident in Derek Carr and I'm not real confident in Tua. So... Um, if you don't mind, because I actually did some research uh, doing Devontae Adams. So one is there is not good history of receivers changing teams and turning in great performances. But we also haven't had a history of this level receiver changing teams still in their prime. You know, it happens like Brandon Marshall. You know, it does happen. But he did pretty good in my the only, the only recent, The only recent one I could think of would be Diggs. Well, Diggs, Brandon Marshall, right, and then it took a long time after Randy Moss was out of Minnesota to figure it out in New England, you know. Yeah. So people tend to figure things out in New England. Um, more so then than now. Um. Yeah. So, uh, Carr has supported top performance in his career. Outside of Waller, Carr supported Crabtree, a top 12 receiver performance, as well as Amari Cooper at wide receiver 14. You know, um, and Hunter Renfro last year in PPR was wide receiver 12. So. He did have a um, sneakily good year last year. Don't so forget the slot guys, people. Yeah. Um, so what you have to ask yourself, really, and as I write more, I'll have, I'll, I'll be 
talking more stuff in here is is Adams going to get 23% or more of the passing targets? I would say yes. Um, and if he does, Carr will be good enough because the offense will score more. You know, like they were a bottom 10 scoring team last year and they still had Hunter Renfro as, as wide receiver 12. You know, so I don't know that Adams, like on paper, Adams shouldn't finish worse than wide receiver 12. And when you, what did I say? I had him at five. You did, yeah. The wide for Devontae Adams, I don't think he gets to wide receiver one. You know, do I, th- no. I, I'm not sure he finishes inside the top three. Why well, have him at five, maybe? Um, but he could finish three. So the range of outcomes, he if he plays all, you know, every game, should be wide between wide receiver three, say four, to wide receiver 12. Tyree kills in a much. No, no. Tyree kills in a much different situation. Um. We don't have a history of Tua um, doing great, but they that offense last year did have Waddle at wide receiver 13 and Gesicki at tight end 8. The problem is, is Tua only averaged 204 passing yards per game and 122 air yards, right? So, like, that's not sustainable. Yeah, his, uh, his quarterback play is an up the par with Sarah Carr, so my, in, my, in my imagination. Cars is better. Yeah, absolutely. Better. I so, think two, two is more Jalen Hurts than people want to admit. With not as good a leg. Yeah. So I've never, we'll I've s- never really been a two a guy. I've never really seen the hype. So we'll see. You know, we'll see. But in terms of fantasy rankings, right? You've got Waddle, you've got Hill, and you've got Gasicki. Well, if they're all going to be good, then Tua has to be good. Yeah. We'll see because that 102 air yards per game is not going to sustain three fantasy-relevant pass catchers. So, I mean, right now he's still, because he's Tyreek Hill, he doesn't require a deep shot. So he's still at my wide receiver eight. But we'll see. We'll see. That's this is early. I've got a lot of moving around I have to do. But for Tyree Kill to not be Yeah, for Tyree Kill not to be one or two, right? It's a whole different world. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then, and then you have to ask, right? So I have I haven't adjusted AJ Brown um at all yet. But I had before the trade I had AJ Brown at um Seven, Tyreek Hill at eight. Deontay Johnson at nine. CeeDee Lamb at ten. Who would you rather have out of those players? Probably A.J. Brown. Right. Right? What about Mike Evans? He's a guy. I might I might take Mike Evans. Keenan Allen? Keenan Allen's got that injury prone tag too. Warren yeah, but it's Brown. actually been a little while since he's missed yeah. a ton of time, you know? Yeah. So I want you to think about those names because that's when you're thinking Keenan Allen or Tyreek Hill. It's crazy to say out loud. I would I I would lean towards Keenan Allen. He's a volume guy on a on a great offense with one yeah. of the best young quarterbacks in the league. Absolutely. You know, for comparison, Justin Herbert is my number two quarterback. Right. I don't. At Tua is my number uh, seventeen. Not not even comparable. So. Could, couldn't you still have a good res- receiving uh, 
year fantasy-wise with a bad quarterback, sure. It's a tough bet that you want to make at the cost. You know, when you're talking about a top 10 receiver off the board, this is a middle to late second round pick. You know, but if he hits and it's fine and, and Tua is a perfectly serviceable, you know, quarterback, he doesn't have to be great. Tyreek Hill could still have a great year. You know, it could be a steal. I would it's not a bet I would make, probably. Probably. But it could not. be. You know, but that's right now, that's where I have those two guys. I don't know that we've got like so I was pulling it's it's a good time for me to mention it and, and I'll talk probably more in depth when I pull out more parts of the data. But basically I for the last five years, 2021, 2020, 2019, all the way back to 2017, I looked at who finished in the top 12 at running back and receiver and then did it the next year. And it's over 50%. Don't do it year over year. You know, and then it's crazy. But you have to remember, like, there's guys that flash or or that barely get in. But when you look at those list of ranks, when you're when you're at your draft, you have to go, well, what's the what's the risk factor for this guy not getting back there? What's the risk factor for this guy not getting back there? What's the risk factor for this guy not getting back there? You know, and then you look at the names. I don't see how Jamar Chase doesn't finish in the top 12. But when you pull apart his stats, he's relying on the big play. Does he have that many big plays next year? Right. Adams. Hill, new teams. A.J. Brown, new team. Well, they didn't finish. A.J. Brown didn't finish from top 12. Um, Deontay Johnson, new quarterback, right? Like, so when you go, well, what's the bet? Did it improve? Did it get worse? What's the situation look like? You know, and and for for running back, it's about, it's a little better, but not much, right? So when you look at at who finished and and where does it go, you know, Taylor, new quarterback. Henry coming off of an injury, even though he played in the in the in the playoffs. Well, he didn't finish in the top twelve either, I guess, or maybe he did, but had a ridiculous points per game average, right? Like you have to look at at those things and, and try and try and be ahead of the curve a little bit about what is the risk factor for this guy not finishing. And if he did finish and he had worse risk the year before, well, maybe it's a good bet. You know, if Kamara isn't suspended. Well, geez, that that team was all over the place last year in terms of Winston coming back. They might be in a better situation, you know, but he's also another year older. These are are things you have to look at when you look at that statistic because we tend to go last year, right? Jonathan Taylor finished his number one last year. He's the number one ranked running back this year. Cooper Cup finished number one last year. He's the number one ranked wide receiver this year. We tend to do this kind of every year. Maybe we shuffle them a little bit, but we try to project that they're going to do it two years in a row, which barely happens. Um, And we don't look into some of those factors that go, eh, you know, is this a strong bet or or a weak bet? Taylor might be a strong bet just because of the offensive line. The quarterback situation might be a little better, but in Carson Wentz's defense, even though we turned the ball over more, he was willing to throw the ball in the tighter windows that Matt Ryan won't. Um, if you, you know, there's there's proof there, right? There's a reason why Julio Jones didn't score a ton of touchdowns in his career, um, even though he was amazing, you know. Oh, I would move Gibson down. He's like currently my running back 14. Washington invested in a running back. I'd probably move Gibson down. Yeah. Um, Elijah Mitchell too. I do too. Elijah Mitchell too. Um, But already with Gibson, they've said they don't trust him receiving. They brought McKissick back. So these are all things you have to look at. But you got the new teams. You've got new a lot of new coaches everywhere. A lot of new coordinators everywhere. Just off season was full. Um, Full. And now you had the draft. So. You know, I'm going to try and do my best to put these things together as soon as I can. Um, it is a lot of work. Uh, however, you know, like this is the time that I start really getting to it. 
Um, so that's my feeling. You asked about uh, Adams and Hill. Um, were there any other players that you had questions about changing or offense changing or? Not, not right now. Not right now. It's a, it's a lot. It's a lot of the player movement this year. Just yeah, coming, coming off the draft. I mean, where, where's Baltimore? Baltimore also traded Hollywood Brown to Arizona. Yeah, you know, in in that case for Arizona, right? Not that Christian Kirk was an amazing player. He did have a ton of targets last year, right? They had to replace that somehow. And the players they had in the roster probably weren't enough. Um, so Hollywood Brown goes there. Him and Murray have an existing relationship. Um, they went to Oklahoma together? Yeah. So, um, yeah, th- that was another draft day move that kind of was surprising but there were rumors about hollywood brown retiring possibly to be a professional gamer you know it's just a weird weird year man so weird man so and we'll close fantasy football for this week because so many of these topics could be a whole show on themselves but when you're doing your own fantasy research and your own fantasy discussion if you listen to somebody else in addition or on top of or instead of or in spite of or whatever, you know, to, to me, um, there's certain things that like philosophically you have to ask yourself, right? Like, and, and the Hollywood Brown and Christian Kirk is one of those things where we talk about, all right, Christian Kirk went away. There's 102 targets. Vacated targets isn't that real of a thing. It's not like all of a sudden Hollywood Brown's going to come in and automatically see 102 targets, right? Some of those might go to the running back. Some of them might go to Zach Ertz. Some of them might just be gone because they run less plays because the offense doesn't move as well. You know, like you can't just look at vacated targets. You can't just look at because a new guy comes in that that's targets that's going to come away from another player. Because the offense might, again, on the reverse side, the offense just might be better. So they get more plays, right? An additional first down is an additional three plays. And and, and so, you, right? Right? Or it might mean more red zone opportunities. It might, you know, like, so you can't always look at it in terms of they're not, they're not static, right? Or the Eagles, A.J. Brown, right? I, I'm tempted to move him backward and move. I, I will be honest with you. Jalen Hurts is probably going to get into my top five. At quarterback now. Um, Holy shit! How can you keep him out? I don't. I don't know that you can with the running ability. I don't know with the running ability and now having two really good receivers and a good tight end. How you can keep him out? I just don't. At worst, at worst seventh, but I think he gets into my top five. You know, Josh Allen and Herbert are probably pretty strong, my one and two. Right? Then it gets kind of, right? We got Kyler Murray's in the middle of a holdout. What do we expect out of Lamar Jackson? What do you expect out of Mahomes with no Tyreek Hill? Burrow and Prescott. Aaron Rodgers. Right? What do we expect out of those guys? These are all good quarterbacks. A lot of questions. A lot well, of questions. Just like in PPR formats, receive, running backs who catch have an advantage over running backs who don't. Quarterbacks who run in all formats have an advantage over quarterbacks who don't or who run less. They just do. It doesn't mean I think that they're better football players, t- potentially. They're playing fantasy football. You got to get yeah. who's a good, you know... Tom Brady's possibly the best, or not possibly, Tom Brady's the best quarterback to ever touch a football, right? Let's, in terms of fantasy, yeah, he threw for a fuck ton. You know, and he was chronically underdrafted in most leagues. He was. But he doesn't really run. And it's a cheat code. Not at all, not at all. So, guys who do it provides a, a good floor. 
you know, they didn't have to run a ton. 50 yards and one touchdown is 11 points. The magic number is about 22 that you expect to get out of your quarterback. They're halfway there. They haven't thrown, we haven't talked about one thrown ball yet. You know, it's 10, it's one point for every 10 yards rushing, one point for every 25 yards passing. Rushing the ball is worth two and a half times. Passing. Them's the breaks. I didn't make up the rules. You did not. Just playing by them. So, you know, other than Chase and Higgins, how many receiving cores are better than A.J. Brown and Devonta, um, Devonta Smith? Not a lot. They're right up there. Sometimes talent just wins out, man. We'll so, yeah. So, you know, when you're when you're listening to those other voices or you're listening to my own, those baseline philosophies on how I get there or what I'm talking about and what I mean are important. And I just don't fully believe in the vacated target narrative and the lost target narrative. When you look at bad offenses, you, hope, you know, like, are they historically bad? Like the Giants last year, you know, they scored like the fewest offensive touchdowns that were scored in like, you know, a decade. You can't bet on someone being historically that bad two years in a row, you know, but like if they're just bad and not much has changed, well, where do you see the path to growth? Sometimes it just happens, right? You do have a better schedule. Sometimes it happens reverse you just have a more difficult schedule someone gets injured but adding good players to an offense should never really hurt your ranking unless it's someone lost their job right a new running back but like more more plays is what the name of the game is and more chances to score that was the chip kelly motto was it not well hmm so <laughs> on that note, <laughs> that's my, uh, some of my early season fantasy musings. Um, and we'll get, I guess, back to more fantasy talk as we move on. One thing I want to close out with, I told you, Billy, I was rewatching some 1997 Monday Night Raw. Brother, brother, brother. Um, I didn't watch the accompanying pay-per-views. But um, 1997 is, is it, it's Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. That's the main storyline. Um, the Hart Foundation is kind of wreaking havoc on a lot. Um, and I guess I had in my mind put that for like into the like 96, 95 and less 97 because the reality is 97, Hall and Nash are gone. WCW, the click is the the they're not even D Generation X yet. They're the click. Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and China. Um, they're going by the click. Uh Stone Cold is still is already feuding with McMahon, which I pictured was later. It's weird what your memory does. The Mandela effect. Yeah, like I just it's crazy. You just think of some things being before and some things being after and not that this is like an ever flowing thing. Just was uh, interesting to see that because now I'm going to like, once I get to the culmination of this Hart Shawn Michaels storyline, I'm going to have to watch the Iron Man match, which I haven't watched probably since I watched it live. Oh, very nice. Um, but yeah, it's been fun to, you know, when we did a lot of our match rewatches, the the word I used was we're watching it on an island. And it's been fun to actually watch it as a weekly episodic, the way it was meant to be watched. Yeah, absolutely. You, you get the story, you get the build, you know, well, it's been one, fun. One of my favorite years, one of my favorite years was uh, 97. I, you fandom. know, I it's a good year. And 
I know that one of the things that you and I have talked about, one of the things that it's been talked about ad nauseum and, and hashed and rehashed and, and rehashed again and corpse buried up and then reburied and then, re, you know, like uh, dug up again is how the Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart feud is what brought through the Attitude Era and having to quote unquote break kayfabe. It was going on really before, to be honest with you. That's the way it was trending anyway. It just so happened that the story with Brett and McMahon happened to be more real than the one with McMahon and Austin, but it still was happening. Austin really had a neck injury. That was an angle. It was a legitimate neck injury. Yeah. And look at the fun things they had to do because of that. You wonder, right, when you go back and rethink if if oh if if Owen doesn't hurt uh, Austin's neck, what happens, right? Just like what happens yep. if they don't have the curtain call, you know? And it's Triple yeah. H who wins the the um, King of the Ring. It's old you know? butterfly effect stuff, which is one of my favorite things to do. And then I, I want to close because you know we're coming up on what I like to normally wrap up our show in, but like. When you're watching, right, guys make mistakes in delivering their lines. Guys are feeling it out. Now, I haven't watched wrestling in a while, but I feel like the need for everything to be, like, perfect and polished is really the driver for what is kind of lost. I think... I, that, that's, that's why I'm more attracted to AEW at this point. It's a less I, polished version. It's a more genuine that's what, version. That's what wrestling's supposed to be. Yeah. Underneath it's not of it all, to be a, a perfect film. No, that's for a movie. That's for a yeah. TV show. This is supposed to be an emotion-driven, athletic storytelling. You know, and athletes aren't always the best actors. <laughs> They're supposed to make mistakes, just like anybody who's emotional that said a stupid line like the jerk store called the running low of you. Um, you know, it's not a great line, but it lives on because it was written well. But the point being is, is like people make mistakes. They know what that feels like. And then also it makes you watch because you don't it doesn't feel like you can predict everything that's going to happen. Right. So that that's my two cents um, from watching. I, I'm going to keep like, watching. Like John, John Moxley John said when he left, he goes, you know, they want me to read from a script. They want me to read from a script. Just hire an actor. I mean, if I'm not allowed any input, just hire an actor. Yeah, 100%. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um. So, yeah, that's that's all I've got for this week. Um, do you have anything else that you wanted to discuss, Billy? How about them Phillies? Get no hit and then come back with the, the W last night? Streaky. It's good Streaky. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's baseball. It's a grind. Especially April. Especially baseball in April. Today's May 1st, but, you know, you're talking yeah. about April baseball. People are still finding their way. They're still getting warm. I always felt like April is more the pitcher's time, and then eventually batters catch up as arms get tired and, and different things like that. Plus the cold weather factors in the hitting, too. I think it's oh, favorite yeah. pitching more so. So they're streaky. They're an offensively built team. Those teams tend to be streaky as well. You, you want to see them grinding it out and, and not getting defeated and, go, and you know, getting in their own head. I was surprised to see. Yeah, I went to the win. game. Good. Yeah, you, you get good. I was surprised to see Bryce batting DH when I was there. Well, his elbow's been messed up for a couple weeks. So. Ah, 
Ah, that makes more sense. He's been their DH. He's been our DH for going on two weeks now. Can't play the outfield, so. Yeah, if you can't throw, if your elbow's messed up, you can't throw. At least we have a DH yeah. now. That's, he would have had to go on the IL if there wasn't yeah. one. It's about goddamn time. Oh, about 20 years too late. Once you got them old codgers out, takes away from takes away from the strategy. People are going to fucking watch pitchers bunt and get hit on every time I pass. Like, come on. Who well, else can the quarterback play defense in the NFL? I mean, let's be realistic. It's just one of those things of like, who wants to pay to see the worst hitter in the franchise? Hit. Why do you want to see that? Why do you want to watch right. that? And, and, and then you had more interleague play come in. So now that American League pitchers who never bat are batting, it, it just it's not attractive to the eye or to the paying consumer. Agreed. And I've been on that. I've been on that trend for quite a while. As soon as the interleague play came, the DH should have came. That's fun. So Got these murky, murky rules in a AL parks. The, you know, there it's is stupid. Parks, it, it's absolutely it's stupid. So that facade's now over. Yeah, good. So uh, what we'll close on is, um, you know, I don't really let out fully uh, who I am, what I do. And whatnot on on the website or the um, show, but my work does have a night at the Phillies, May twenty second. If you guys are so inclined, you can go on the um, Women's Animal Center uh, Facebook and find the link. Um, uh, the tickets are thirty nine for lower level and twenty nine for upper level, but then there's an additional eight dollar charge. That's like a donation that goes right back to us. Um, you put in code WAC to get those tickets. Uh, that is May 22nd is a Sunday versus the Dodgers. It's a pretty good game, I feel like. Um, if you are some type of season ticket holder, uh, we will be the recipient of the 50-50. So if you're not going to get the tickets from us, buy a 50-50 ticket. No harm, no foul. Um, in addition to that, if you are at the game or you plan on going to the game, I will be throwing out the first pitch for that game. Dun, dun, dun. <sighs> so I've, I've got to do my best to not embarrass myself, but I can't guarantee that I won't. And I can't guarantee that I won't do you. That's I fine. Not have that uh, I would... I would love to be showered with booze. <laughs> Will that heel come out, brother? Oh, God. I would love it. I would love it. If I didn't hit it, if, you, if I can get showered with booze, I will Ric Flair strut. Underhanded. That'll appeal to the Philadelphia fan base. Underhanded. <laughs> I'll go underhand. I'll go long snapper. Yeah, you want booze underhand. Or better yet, wear a Ben Simmons jersey. There you no, go. I can't do that. I can't do that. Oh. <laughs> Come on. That's one too far. You want the heel heat, brother? That's one too far. Never go too far. No. So, on that note, uh, I think that brings us to the conclusion of this week's show. Um,. This is a good, you know, Mondays, I feel like it's a good day for us to release, Billy. We're looking to maybe add some live shows and some other things as we get rolling to, you know, into the streak of doing it regularly. But um, if you don't get that live notification, we'll be back next Monday. All right, everyone. Later on, baby.